0: I tell this to my kids all the time, and and it applies to this whole concept. Cutting other people down doesn't make you taller. It doesn't change who you are as a person. And so much of what we're seeing right now is this polarization of America over issues. And the more and more we see that, we see everybody trying to cut the other person down, and reality is we're at a place right now where We have equal standing at the foot of the cross.
1: Hello there. Welcome in to episode three of the Palmetto Family Matters podcast, Shaping the Palmetto State from a Biblical Worldview. And we're continuing our discussion today on critical race theory. I'm Justin Hall, Director of Communications with Palmetto Family Council, joined as always by Director of Outreach, Mitch Prosser. And we are also joined specially by Executive Director of Palmetto Family Council, Dave Wilson. Dave, how are you doing? Introduce yourself to the listeners of Night episode word, three. You know,
0: it is great to be with everybody today. What we're doing at Palmetto Family and, and what you do when you're listening to this podcast makes all the difference in the world. I mean, You will hear us say it over and over and over again. We are the cultural guardrails of South Carolina, and every person in this state who has a belief in Jesus Christ, has a part on that guardrail to reflect the light and love of Jesus everywhere they go. And it's really important for us to look at the issues that are going on because what we want folks to understand, and, and everybody who's listening to this podcast and share it with your friends, rate us highly. We like that. Please, yes. But we want people to understand not only what are the issues, but how to recognize
2: them and what to do about them. So Dave, Justin and I have been sharing with the people on our previous podcast what critical race theory is, what it isn't, and what you can do about it. Today, I think we're going to talk about some of the things that are happening in the community that could be foreseen as critical race theory. But there's something else going on in South Carolina that we believe that the people listening to the Palmetto Family Matters need to know about. Dave, tell us a little bit more about what's happening with the foster and adoptive care crisis. There is an issue of foster and adoptive care in South Carolina right now. It is a
0: real pro-life issue. That's right. This is an issue about life because we're talking there are more than 4,000 children under the age of 18 that are in the foster care system in South Carolina, there are 94 group homes, 58%, guys, listen, 58% of the children in foster care have been there for 24 months or longer. That is two full years in foster care in a system that's only supposed to be at
2: max 12 months, one year. It's unbelievable. So a child that goes in at five going to be there at least until seven and we know that the most formative years of a child's life are between two and thirteen how impactful is that on children who are in the system right now
0: well it really impacts the way that they begin to see the world because you think about it like this they are totally in a transient type of worldview. they don't know where they're going to be from week to week to week and unless they're stuck in a system right now that's not really addressing the real issues because the thing about it is Oftentimes, what we find is we have home situations that have to be dealt with. We really have to start taking a look at a holistic view. What can the Big C Church do to get engaged in what needs to be done to not only minister to these children, but also to their biological parents? Yes. Because way too often, the children are being taken from a situation that is not healthy for them, and how do we get them back into a healthy situation. There are 800 children right now in South Carolina that are in
2: the foster care system that could be adopted. That's right. So Dave, as we talk about this and we talk about Palmetto Family Council shaping worldviews in South Carolina in the Palmetto, fam, or Palmetto State, uh, as we talk about this and we work through this as Palmetto Family and the cultural guardrails in South Carolina what, what are we doing at Palmetto Family to encourage and activate the church to get involved in the foster and adoptive care crisis? So,
0: Governor McMaster reached out to us and said, listen, we really need to start addressing the pro-life issue. As a matter of fact, he wants to host, and we're going to be hosting in October— the Governor's Summit on this is big Adoption news. and Foster Care in South Carolina. This is akin to the issues that you've been seeing and addressing COVID and Accelerate SC and getting South Carolina back to work. The Governor's going to be hosting a summit that we're going to be co-hosting with him on this issue because it's got to be addressed. And the thing right. about it is right now, it is happening right behind us, and oftentimes we can't see it. And it has so many other ramifications that you right. are not necessarily seeing all the time.
1: And folks who are listening can begin to pray over this issue, can yeah. begin to really research this issue, because it is one that, Dave, you mentioned, most people don't even know. We hear all the time about the the mess that is the foster care and adoption system across the country, by the way. This is not a South Carolina-only issue, but certainly being in the Palmetto State, it is important that we understand where we are. And... To get answers, we're actually going to be joined by a guest in a future podcast that I think is going to be able to provide some answers and some more information to
0: folks from the inside. So we actually have been putting together a task force at the request of Governor McMaster um, to, to start addressing some of the initial issues that are going on. As a matter of fact, that group met the other week, and DSS Director Mike Leach came and spoke on the issues that are coming to this from the DSS perspective. He's going to be joining us on the podcast uh, in a few weeks. More exciting news. Right. Wow. To be able to start saying, here is what we are doing as a state. Here's what you can be doing as a member of our community. Here's what your church can be doing. Here's what ministry opportunities exist. Because not everybody's going to be a foster parent. We understand that. But there's a a whole network of people where we can come behind and be the church to address the issues of widows and orphans. Wow, what a novel concept here to start
2: addressing the real issues that are going on right now in our own communities. And that, Dave, is what we've been talking about for some time and the true definition of what it means to be pro life. A lot of people have this idea that as Christian conservatives, we're simply pro-birth. Nothing could be further from the truth, Dave. We are pro-life, womb to the tomb, and we believe that life is valued by God. We're made in His image. Imago day, and we are as we're made in His image, we have the opportunity to share His glory, shine His glory. So this is just another opportunity for Christian conservatives to have a pro-life worldview.
0: Right, because what we're wanting folks to be able to understand is When it comes to being pro-life, we're not just talking about an end to abortion. That is a primary concern of ours. And that is huge. It is huge. But it is also what is going to be done to prevent negative things from happening in children's lives. What are we going to do to expand opportunities for children, for families, for job opportunities, for educational opportunities? Those sorts of things that really make a real difference in the lives of families in South Carolina.
1: And on episodes to come of the Palmetto Family Matters podcast, we're really going to dive into the issue of the foster care and adoptive crisis going on in our state. But I want to recalibrate here and get back to what we've been talking about for our last couple of episodes, and that is critical race theory. We have discussed, if you've been listening for the previous couple of episodes, and if you haven't, I encourage you, go back, listen to those, and make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you can get alerted every time we go uh, with a new episode. We have talked about what critical race theory is, how it's been defined in culture. Mitch, you and I have discussed uh, how the change in wording and the definition of words has really contributed to this this just infiltration of this new critical theory. We've talked about it, Justin. We it's can, a
2: jumbled mess. We, I mean, the words is they're being redefined, and as you said on one of our last episodes, they're being changed daily. Yes. If, you, if you look up a word in the morning, its definition on the interwebs, Google mm-hmm. Merriam-Webster dic- Dictionary might be different in the afternoon. Right, They're actively changing terms and what they mean. And as we've said over and over again, words as we understand them are the basic exchange of ideas and words matter.
1: And with that, with that change in wording comes this idea of, okay, how are we seeing this infiltrating into society or how is it starting to get into our everyday life? Because you're probably listening right now in your car or in your home and you're saying, well, I don't see how this is really affecting me right now because the changes can be subtle and it takes some time for you to see them. But we are here today to talk about these practical things that are happening with critical race
0: theory. Shortly after I started as president of Palmetto Family Council, I had to do an interview with NPR. Now- Wow. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't (laughs) hostile, but at the same time, we were talking about the Equality Act. Yeah. And what does the Equality Act mean? And the reporter kept trying to turn the subject Mm on to the issue of equity. Now, back in the day, equality and equity would seem synonymous equality and equity are two totally different terms in today's society you're talking about language change you're <laughs> absolutely right they are in in the issues in the realm of politics political discussion and what we're trying to do as a society equality and equity are two very different things. yes
1: they are we actually talked about that as we ended our last episode we talked about that that I was I was reading in Psalms one day and I came across that God judges with equity and my insides felt squeamish because i would i had i had been infiltrated with this idea of what equity means in 2021 2020 terms and not what true equity means
2: which is just justice and judging from a place of full righteousness absolutely and as we expressed on the last podcast the difference the 30 second 10,000 foot view the difference between equity and equality is the difference in equal starting place versus equal ending place. In equity, what they've done is taken the level starting place and adjusted your starting place to provide potential outcome. In other words, we're going to give you an advantage so that you have a better stopping place or finishing place. And if you were raised in a church like I was in the South uh, in the 80s and 90s, you probably heard your pastor say at some point, the ground is level at the foot of the the cross. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Dave's saying it as I'm saying it. What I find fascinating is we understand who Jesus is. We finished the last one with Philippians chapter two, that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. And ultimately, yes, there needs to be a demand for justice, but there also needs to be a demand for righteousness. Right, And we need to be looking to Jesus as the author, the finisher, the hope that we have for all of eternity, and for the here and now. So the, here's a, it, it,
0: this is practical terms. You know, as a dad, I tell this to my kids all the time, and and it applies to this whole concept. Cutting other people down doesn't make you taller. It doesn't change who you are as a person. And so much of what we're seeing right now is this polarization of America over issues. And the more and more we see that, we see everybody trying to cut the other person down. And reality is we're at a place right now where we have equal standing at the foot of the cross. And the world is not seeing it from that perspective at all. They're wanting everybody to get a trophy, everybody to get to the same end at the same time, and everybody be happy. But, you know, it's kind of like when you go to a baseball game and you could be the, the worst team in the world. But everybody gets a trophy at the end, and they want to have the pizza party. Well, I had a coach one time <laughs> tell the kids, "You guys only won one game this year. We don't get pizza if There's we don't win no the game." There's no pizza party. There's right. no pizza party, right? Yeah. If you're not going to be a winning team, yeah. And and I actually saw that with my son's team, and the reality was, they worked their butts off. <laughs> yeah. The next season and won. Yeah. They were the they were the league champions because they realized
2: if we don't work we're not going to get the reward right yeah by the way losing teaches us to be good winners and so when we have the opportunity to lose it teaches us how to be humble well, in got, our
0: winning it goes back to the Thomas Edison quote so he was asked by a reporter one time how many times did you fail at making the light bulb he said i I didn't fail at making the light bulb. I found 4,000 ways that don't work, but I didn't fail at creating the light bulb. Right. And and that's way too often how we we want to view failure. Failure is not a bad thing. It is a teaching moment. But
1: what we're finding is um, in our public policy, certainly as it, it becomes more apparent, is this idea of critical race theory and this need to have differing starting points. So we all end up in the same ending because if we have disparate endings, that is a... That is a telltale sign, and I'm I'm using terms here from other folks. I do not believe this, but that is a telltale sign of racial inequality and racism itself. And in order to fight that, we actually, according to one person, we need to be anti-racist, which when you read his definition or hear it, it makes no sense and is actually racist. Anyway, the point is, this in practical terms, if you're listening at home and you're like, I haven't seen any of this, in person, I haven't seen any examples of this. We have some of those for you today. Some of these things that are happening in life, and I know I've got one, but I'll I'll seed the ground uh, to you, Dave, to kick
0: off this discussion of practical examples of critical race theory. It is absolutely ridiculous. A prime example that comes to us uh, from a, a group called Equitable Math. If you go to EquitableMath.org, there's a whole eighty-three page document. Beware. On- on a pathway to equitable, ready for this one, math instruction, dismantling racism in math instruction. I just want to sit there and go, we jokingly say in politics, numbers don't lie. The reality is numbers are numbers. Numbers don't carry a racist aspect to them, and yet they want to start arguing that we are approaching mathematics from a racist perspective, because there's systematic racism, like things like getting the right answer. I don't know. I mean, two <laughs> plus two is four. Nope, you're wrong. Unless we're in, you know, 1984 or Animal Farm or Orwellian. Yeah. Yeah. Because you want to sit here and go, like, seriously, folks, this is what you're trying to, you're, you're trying to make an argument out of this. You're trying to make an argument out of being on time as a white thing. You know, the reality is, you go back to the Vince Lombardi quote, early is on time, on time is late. Unless you're in the South Carolina Senate, and then there's Senate time,
2: but you know, that's, <laughs>
0: for those most <of> <laughs> we get that one.
2: Going back to that idea of numbers, numbers are intrinsically logical, and logic itself is being called, as we said in our last episode, it's being called hegemonic, which means that there are those that set up the rules and they're using the rules to their advantage. Nothing could be further from the truth. Logic is how a society carries on in a systematic and organized way. And yet systematic and organized ways are now under assault logic, systematic, organized ways. They're being called racist or white.
1: Well, the the other thing too, and we'll get back to the mathematics thing in a second, but it made me think I saw an article I don't remember, I can't attribute it because I don't remember where it was from, either the New York Times or The Washington Post, one of the two. It said that the interstate system, the interstate system,
2: your roads, you're probably driving on You're one right
1: driving now. on racist roads. Your roads are racist because in fact, when the uh, interstate system was built in the 50s, Um, It was built specifically to exclude minority communities. Roads don't have feelings. They don't have thoughts. Therefore, they cannot be racist. That's not how this works. And we're just terming everything with this idea of race. We're viewing everything through a prism of race. That's what this is. And now we're talking about mathematics and getting the right answer is considered racist now as well.
0: So I've got 10 kids. I've got five boys and five girls. And I can tell you straight up front, none of them learn exactly the same. That's reality. <laughs> yeah. The reality is people learn differently. You've got some people who are auditory learners, some are who are kinesthetic learners. If you've got more than one child living in your house, you probably understand because you go, my two kids are totally different. I can yeah. tell you 10 kids are all different. There are some places where they're similar, but the reality is there are differences, and there may be differences in the way that we teach certain things to help it be able to be applicable to make sense for a particular learner. But to sit here and, and to basically say, you know, asking in math for a child to show their work is racist, which is a, an example of assessing students for learning in this particular document that we're talking about right here. It's telling you that showing your work is racist, when the reality is showing your work as a dad who has like checked over math homework is to help them to see, again, where did you make a mistake in your calculation so that you got a wrong
2: answer, so that they can learn from that mistake. Absolutely. We learn how to be better winners when we've lost. When we learn the mistake, we understand that, and then we learn how to be humble winners. But
0: wait a minute. Is that not actually the whole essence of the gospel?
2: Exactly.
0: You know, I am a sinner... Saved by the saved grace, by grace of Saved by the grace of Jesus God. Christ. Exactly. Wow. His death, his atonement for my sin, for my quote-unquote mistakes, are the things that turn around and are the basis... Of the gospel, well,
1: and if we don't think that there's not a long game, then then we're 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 fooling ourselves. And so I'm going to say something that you might uh, turn your nose up to, but we make that connection about the gospel. When I'm looking at this, when one of these pieces of research says that one of the one of these uh, levels of whiteness into culture or uh, however we want to put it, holding down minorities includes religion, saying that Christianity is the norm and that anything other than Judeo-Christian tradition is just foreign to people, and there is no tolerance for deviation from the single God or monotheistic concept. The ultimate
0: goal is for disruption of a biblical worldview and biblical standards. We're going to post this. this, It's a political cartoon that appeared in the state newspaper uh, back in June of 2021, June 27th. It was the Sunday op-ed... editorial cartoon and it's two kids sitting in a classroom and one of the kids says, you said, we're going to, to learn long division today. And the teacher says, we are. And she's writing critical race theory up on the board. Yeah. Critical race theory is meant to divide. And absolutely. it ironically goes absolutely opposite of what you guys talked about in the previous podcast about praxis. This whole concept of critical praxis is built on five simple concepts that in and of themselves have nothing to do with race but more at looking at how do i identify a problem 1 2 research the problem 3 develop a collective plan of action to address the problem 4 implement a collective plan of action and 5 evaluate the action and assess whether it's working or not i mean that's just simple concept but we are turning it on its head as a society by turning around and making it about race instead of recognizing the fact that underneath this epidermis that, you know, surrounds the rest of our body, yeah. we're all the same underneath. Well, and what you find, too, if we're going to shape the Palmetto State from
1: a biblical worldview, I think it's important to look from a biblical perspective on that point Um there were issues between races in the Bible. We do see that there was there were issues between the Jews and Samaritans. There was some infighting there. There were some definite issues. But you know what's interesting about the Book of Acts, going through that right now with with some students. You know what's interesting about that? How many times in just the first twelve chapters, Luke makes sure to make the point that the gospel is for all people. That's right. Whether yeah. it's for Jew or Gentile, whether it is whether it is for the the Ethiopian. It doesn't matter. The gospel is for everybody. Luke's making the point in the first 12 chapters that it is for everybody and everybody has equal access to the
2: cross. Friends at home who are listening to this podcast right now, you need to understand something. CRT, critical theory, ultimately what's under assault and what's being deconstructed, to use a word that is a buzzword these days, Mm -hmm. what's being deconstructed are your faith values and the family that you hold dear. At Palmetto Family, those are the things that we care about. Dave... Justin, t- tell us a little bit more. Tell the people listening right now on the interstate uh, yeah. or, or okay. at home. Uh, Better get off maybe the folding, folding the laundry. I don't know where they are. T- talk about what's under assault right now as faith groups and... The family, the nuclear
1: family unit. Well, the nuclear family unit's being attacked. In fact, according to Fox News, this is a recent report coming out of Minnesota. A Minnesota 4th grade student and her mother expressed concern to their local school board after the student's class, Haley Haley Yasgar is the student. Uh, They were forced to complete an equity survey. And this is what Haley said to the school board. About that equity survey. My name is Haley Asgard. I was in fourth grade at Riverview Intermediate School last year. During distance learning, I was asked to complete that equity survey. My teacher said that I could not skip any questions even when I didn't understand. One question asked us what gender we identified with. Like, I was very confused along with a lot of other classmates. A boy in my class asked my teacher if his mom could explain the question to him because even after the teacher explained it, he still didn't understand. My teacher told him that he was not allowed to ask his mom and that we cannot repeat any of the questions to his parents. I want the school board to know how uncomfortable and nervous this made me. My mom always tells me I can tell her anything, but she also tells me I can trust my teachers too. Being asked to hide this from my mom made me feel very uncomfortable. I was doing like I was doing something wrong. So that was that was Kelsey Yazgar talking about what happened in the school in her classroom and, and and real quick I want to mention that her mom did note that they were told this would happen but they weren't given a date or any details about the situation and and I'll I'll,
0: I'll fill in with what her response was we've got a real issue that exists right now when we turn around and we tell parents you don't have a voice into what's being discussed. And we want folks at home to know and understand you need to be looking out for these issues as they take place in your community. I live in Lexington County, very red county, very conservative, but we have to be looking at what is being taught in the schools. We've got a school district right now, Lexington 1, that does not allow coaches to pray in proximity to students who are praying. They said they're told you can't pray with the students if it's a student-led prayer. It's ridiculous. And this is a place where you begin to recognize small things, and you've got to be recognizing right. these things happening in your own community.
2: It almost seems like someone brought California to our Carolina yet again. There's a lot of stuff going on. I was in the Upstate uh, this past week, and. I heard from a group of people who are concerned about things that are happening, and there's a lady running for school board in that meeting, and one of the questions that was asked to her was, is CRT, or critical race theory, being taught in our schools, just so you know it was Spartanburg County? Mm. And she boldly proclaimed, yes, it may not be critical race theory in name, but the principles and praxis are being taught. And that's the part that you want to be able
0: to recognize. Our state legislature tried to address this issue in the state budget this year with what's called a proviso. It's a one-year application of law. And in that, they talked about the fact that they were trying to to write legislation against critical race theory, but they didn't address it as critical race theory because you can change the words around and it can become something different. But the, the concepts that are built into this... Yeah are the ones that you have to be looking for. And we want to make sure that, that folks, you at home, understand what those are so that you can see them. And if you see them, let us know, because we want to be able to step in and be a partner with you on that. And Haley's mom,
1: Kelsey, on the interview on Fox News, actually made a good point. Um, she explained that the lack of transparency from the school district and from Equity Alliance Minnesota, who they administered the survey, by the way, uh, parents were not informed of the questions that were going to be asked to their students and this is a direct quote from Haley Asgar, whose student is in fourth grade quote I do want to say though I believe this wasn't a single case that her teacher made this decision we had been informed that this came down from the administration and Equity Alliance of in Minnesota instructed them to make sure the children did not share this information with their parents and that should pose a great concern in any parent's eyes by the way uh, the district superintendent nor that Equity Alliance in Minnesota would be willing to respond to questions from the news outlet. That's happening in schools. That's happening in schools. So, fourth, graders, fourth graders are being given an equity survey about what gender do you identify as, and then being told if it confuses you, don't ask your parents. I'm I, I'm gonna I'm hesitate to fill in the next part, but I'm assuming that oh if you're confused that's okay sure uh, here's here's a here's a term that you can label yourself with sure I'm so, gonna imagine that's the next
2: so what part. you're saying is the family's under assault faith and the family are under assault the the traditional biblical family model and our deeply seated religious faith beliefs are under assault well, is that what you're saying well
1: yes and and, yeah. and I think it goes back to and we talked about this. Not on uh, on a podcast. We've talked about this idea of this tribalism that has begun to overtake our country. We're tribal in nature as human beings. That's just kind of who we are. We flock to those who agree with us. We flock to those who look like us. We Birds flock to those who they flock together. Yeah. Who if we believe the same thing, and that's what made America so great for so long, and still makes America great, is we do rally around central topics and central ideals, and and our flag and things of that sort. Uh, But now we're very tribal, and now it's everyone has to have a label, everyone has to have a category they fit in, whether it's race, gender, sexual identity, whatever. They feel like they have to apply to a group, and what it's doing is it's ripping families apart. Parents aren't able to know what's going on in their own child's education. That's a problem. Uh, They aren't allowed to be involved. There are certain ordinances that have been passed in cities across the country that would outlaw parents from being able to seek medical attention for their for their for their children
0: this is the reality folks is when you have a situation like this we talked about i'm a recovering journalist we talked about sunshine laws and transparency mm-hmm. this is the most opaque yes you could possibly be i mean talk about cultural opaquism this is it they are wanting to put blinders on on parents to keep them from seeing what they're doing it begs the question you know when you when somebody's doing a prestidigitation yeah doing a little slide <laughs> of hand here you, you wonder yep. you see what's going on with the right hand you wonder what is the left hand doing. actually That's right. doing and and it goes back to the whole idea of if you want to change a culture you've got to start changing it from the educational mm-hmm. system in minds that are are open to and discussing things in ways that we as Americans, as adults, have seen things and, and, and bring an adult perspective, an American right. perspective. Right. We were in a meeting earlier today, and this, the question was brought up, how many of today's Gen Z millennials know what communism actually is? Yeah. Cold War, oh, the Cold War, it's this thing that happened in the 60s, 70s, and 80s. It's and,
2: passed off as non- that was really
0: That was really overblown and actually wasn't that big of a yeah. deal. I graduated
1: high school in 2013. I look back at my education and go, wow, I was the starting of this. Wow. Because you're taught certain ways to view history and what prism you view history from. Now, I was taught all this, by the way. I was taught about slavery, Jim Crow laws, the fight for civil rights. We were taught about those things. Don't think that you're going to school and your student's not being taught these things. But they, you're told how to think. And so... Now we see a real real big problem that the education is matching up with what's being espoused from certain political leaders of, well, communism isn't actually really communism. This is actually what communism is and socialism, and actually it's better than capitalism. And if you don't
0: understand that, then you don't understand the Marxist basis for critical race theory. That's it. If you're an adult, if you're over the age of 30, you have heard about cultural Marxism. You've heard about Marxism. You've heard about the Soviet Union. You've heard about communism. You understand because you were taught this, but the next generations of, of Americans are being told that, oh, that was just something
2: that happened back then. Don't worry about it. It leads me back to that quote that we used in our last podcast. George Santayana, made most famous by Winston Churchill, said those who do not learn from history will be doomed to repeat it. And there is a giant pink eraser that is wiping out so much of the history books right now. Ladies and gentlemen, friends listening at home, just what you described a moment ago, Justin, with this whole idea of tribalism. This is yet another tenet of critical race theory and intersectionality. So, the more groups that I fit in that are oppressed by oppressors, by the way, you cannot be neutral. You must either either be oppressed or oppressor. Correct. The more groups that I fit into that are oppressed by an oppressor, Mm. the higher on the intersectionality totem pole, if you will, I become. Right. Another tenet of critical race theory. By the way, you can't overcome that. There is no way to overcome that unless you are an anti-racist, as Kendi and others have said. There, which by the way they
1: can't. De- which by the way he cannot define. Well, he tries, um, but his definition makes zero sense. And you can look up that definition. So
2: you'll hear things on the news, uh, radio, or even social media, this notion that silence is violence. Now, there is certainly something to be said of a person who stands by and watches something terrible happen, namely a riot in a city where, or, or something like that. But really what we're talking about here is those that carry about with their normal lives, they're being called oppressors because they're not saying anything. They're not, quote-unquote, anti-racist right. According to the social justice warriors, those in the critical theory movement would make right. them out to be.
1: So we've gone over all the practical things that are happening in society right now that you need to be aware of when it comes to critical race theory. and and I, I like to fill in what I think you're thinking, because this is what I would think. Okay, well, those are all the problems. great. What does I have? What do I do? What can I do? So there, and we talked about this on the last podcast. This is what's so great about this. We talk about these issues and we're passionate about them, but we come at them from this biblical worldview and this perspective because there is hope and because we have that hope. And so we can talk about all these things and still come from that perspective of we know how it impacts us, but how does this is how man is now viewing man in our country and across the world. You're either viewed, Mitch, as you said, as an oppressor or oppressed. That is in stark contrast to how
2: God views man. And that's right. In fact, Justin, I love how the Bible always gives us an answer when we have a question about life. I love how God says, oh, you've got a problem. I've got a solution. Take you to Micah chapter six and verse eight. And this verse that so many pastors have used, it's so key and pivotal for here we, right here where we are right now. It says, he has shown you, oh man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? What does God want of us today? To do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with
1: your God. And that's the big thing because um, I heard that verse quoted um, by a United States senator, and he left off the last part. He said to do justly, to love mercy, and he said walk humbly. He did not finish. He did not finish. The important part of that, if you walk humbly with God, you will learn and you will be shown how to act, and do justly. And you will learn how to love mercy because it's been shown in abundance to you. It all starts
0: there. I think that's the most important thing for us to always go back to. We can talk about issues, and we will never, ever be at a lack of topics to discuss on this podcast. We will never reach the end of that until Jesus comes back. Because the reality is we live in a world, we live in a time period where we are going to be facing things that are of biblical proportion that we are really looking at right now and going, is this a place where I can make a difference? Here's the reality. You can focus on the gospel. What we focus on at Palmetto Family is this. We focus on the gospel, applying the gospel to the situations that you encounter. We work on issues of public policy so that we can pull the weeds and pull the brambles and help to till the soil, so that when the seeds of the gospel get thrown out, they're landing on good soil.
2: Yeah.
0: And that's the part where you play a part in this, because you live in your area of this state. You live in a place where you have to be a reflector on the guardrail of your community because what happens in Ladson is different than what happens in Latta, than what's different than what happens in Charleston or Greenville or Myrtle Beach or Rock Hill. It doesn't matter. What you have to do is recognize what's going on in your community because if it's happening in your community, guess what? It's probably happening somewhere else too and that's where we want to be a resource for you. When you see those things, let us know so that we can share that out with other folks and make them aware of what's going on so that collectively we are standing together and making a difference, again, to pull the weeds, to pull the brambles, to till the soil so that the seeds of the gospel get thrown onto good soil and the
2: gospel can take off. Justin, what can our friends listening to Palmetto Family Matters do Right now, literally right now, that will make a huge difference in South Carolina. If you're listening on your
1: podcast app or whatever service you use, as long as you don't close out the app, you can actually go to your text messages right now and you can type guardrails in the text box. Guardrails, G-U-A-R-D-R-A-I-L-S. Guardrails to seven six zero seven six. That'll get you signed up for some alerts from us, action alerts. That's going to be very important as news continues to break that you need to be aware of. We'll send that to you. You can pose questions to us if you want to get connected. If if you want to get connected to a church in your area, we can help with that. If you want to get to know who your legislature is, we our legislator is, we can help you. Do those things. That's a way to get connected with us as well. You can also, of course, follow us on our social media channels: Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast. We would love to get a five star rating from you. I believe it's well deserved. Uh, but make sure you subscribe to our th- to this podcast every week. We're going to be talking
0: about these issues that are so important. And let your friends know that we're here because, you, again, we don't want you to feel like you're alone here. Right? We're right. here to be a resource. We 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 talk about this. We're a hub that is here to connect different communities together on different issues so that you know and you understand how you can make a difference from a biblical worldview in your community and in the state of South Carolina.
2: Wow. We have... uh talked about a lot today on this episode of palmetto family matters we've introduced what's happening in the foster and adoptive care crisis we're going to be telling you more about that in the weeks to come in our episodes to come we'll have director mike leach of the department of social services on and uh, we'll talk a little bit more about critical race theory those sorts of things and we're going to continue to bring you vital topics that you need to know about and we're going to help you shape a worldview here in the palmetto state and if you have an issue going on let us know about it reach out to us
1: reach out to us at palmetto family and we'll talk about it that's right on this show we will we will talk about the things going on on the ground in south carolina if you let us know about an issue we'll talk about it here and we will get that out so people know about like dave mentioned what's going on in the palmetto state absolutely so for mitch prosser our director of outreach for our president Dave Wilson. I am Justin Hall. Thanks so much for listening to the Palmetto Family
0: Matters Podcast.